Hi there. I'm Eric Word Weaver Sherman, Gothi of the Ridgar folk here in East Texas, and I would like to welcome you to The Raven's Call. This is a show where I ramble on about different heathen-related subjects, just kind of whatever strikes my fancy sets my mind on fire at the time. Big UPG warning at the beginning of the episode, like always, as the mosquitoes come by. Uh, this is just one Gothi's point of view uh, here in rural East Texas doing what I do. Um, it's uh, <laughs> it's meant to be a conversation piece. I do not count myself as the end-all, be-all authority on anything. I am no Asa Pope. I, I am simply one guy who has done a crap ton of research over the years and likes to talk in front of a camera. So make of that what you will. And hopefully, hopefully it'll start up some conversations and encourage you guys to help develop your own uh, hearth culture and tribal culture and really solidify those things by exploring some of the whys on some of the belief structures that you may have. Um, so whys are, whys are super important. So we're going to jump in to today's subject. All my contact information stuff's down below. You know the drill. Uh, somebody's been leaving reviews for the book. Thank you guys. You're awesome. Every time you do that, it's a, uh, it is definitely a boost for it. And I'm not, I'm not worried about sales. I think I've got like, I think my total profits off the book for the last month have been like 20 bucks. I mean, I'm not looking to make this my new, uh, my new income source, but it is nice to have the support from everybody else. And really what the book is out there for is to help encourage people to do similar things like that. And I hope that people just enjoy it in the process. So. Uh, yes, so as I pause to pull out my iPad and jump on here and review again real quick, because I can do this now live as we go, uh, Liz wrote in on the, uh, <laughs> on the Facebook group, which yes, guys, I do pay attention to that. I don't always get to reply, but I do pay attention to it. And Liz wrote in and asked, uh, what people do what heathens do, kind of a heathen point of view, on spirits, ghosts, and things that go bump in the night, as it were. Um, how does that play in, and what do we do? And I thought, you know, we've got winter nights coming up, for those that celebrate it. Um, the more neo-pagan individuals will do their Samhain, um, and then just general folks in, in, in the general population are going to enjoy their Halloween. Uh, and it got me to thinking, okay, well, let's, let's talk a little bit about this, you know? Um, she was not the first person to ask me that question. And I've had a lot of people since then ask me that question. Uh, but hers is the comment that shows up in the thread. So jump on the Word Weaver Productions community page. And I've got a review or a request thread up there. Please toss requests up there. I check those. I love turning those into videos. Sometimes when I sit down and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about, I'll flip through that and go, oh, there's an excellent one that I haven't gotten to do yet and I haven't handled and I would very much like to touch on that for a little while. And those tend to turn into really good videos and you guys tend to enjoy them. So hopefully we'll continue to do that. Audience participation is awesome. Now, so this question in particular, <coughs> spirits, ghostly things, what is it? How do people view it? And what is kind of a heathen take on that? How do heathens interact with that? How do heathens process that? What is the take? What is the takeaway? And so let's look at a little bit of what's going on this time of year. As you all know, and some of this is going to be, you, you old hats are going to be like, yeah, 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 and there's so much more. And it'll be like, I know, but this is a primer too. 
Uh, there's a lot of individuals that don't think about these things necessarily. Um, I've talked to you guys before about my view of the sacred, the profane, the spiritual, uh, as far as the worlds. We've got the sacred space and time, which is where the gods exist. You know, we talked about in heathen causality, we've talked about in a number of other videos, uh, that the gods' space and time is different. And I do plan to come back and do a video on... Uh, gods of order versus chaos uh, as far as the roles that our gods play because the Aesir are seen as gods of order and uh, that, that's something to come back to later um, but but and that was almost today's video now um, the gods take up sacred space and exist in sacred time it is apart and wholly apart from everything else then you have the material plane here on Midgar and Midgar I do not just see as the earth you know I, I do the whole world thing because this is our little bubble of Midgard. Uh, but I actually see Midgard as all of the plane of reality upon which we exist. Saturn, Mercury, all of that, uh, the sun, the moon, all exists within the scope of Midgard. Um, I see the parallel planes as parallel planes. Um, like Asgard of the sacred space and sacred time would be seen as another plane of existence operating from a different rule set perhaps different physics different time dilation all of that stuff because it's the world of the sacred I mean the the scope of the gods is so immense and so beyond us that if you took the entirety of the endless expanse of space that we know as our plane of our realm uh, we, we make up this little bubble of a plaything that the gods have created in and amongst the other worlds in which they exist. So ours is just simply one little speck, one little pebble, and I do count all of creation in that. I hear you. <laughs> Blocking birds. So, how does that play in? Well, we'll come back to that. Uh, the other planes that I see, as far as Midgard being the prime material that we deal with, and then the spiritual realm, and this is the crux of the conversation today, That went down funny. The spiritual realm <coughs> exists alongside the material. We have... Um, it's kind of hard to explain to someone who doesn't already get it, you know? Um, it is beside this world. It is a mirror of this world. It is the spiritual uh, energy echo of the material world in which we exist. The two exist as, as one. They are tied together. They are part and parcel of Midgard. It's just a simple... It's the other side of the veil. It's again words that don't mean anything if you don't know what I'm already know what I'm talking about. Um, fans of RPGs and stuff like that will understand it because you know the old White Wolf games talked about it uh, as like the Umbra and then the spiritual world. Um, there's there's a lot of parallels there. Um, the a lot of what we see as the spirit realm. Uh, for like D&D 5th edition fans would be something akin to the Feywild or the Ethereal Realm. Um, that gets into a similar kind of frame of reference. So for pop culture kind of references, there's some ideas. Uh, the spiritual realm exists alongside the material realm and influences the material realm. Fey creatures or uh, the Vaytir, as I, as I like to uh, correlate, are creatures of spirit that exist across the boundaries. So you get a lot of the fairy, a lot of the um, huldra, shkogra, uh, these, these really cool entities, spiritual entities uh, from folklore, either from mainland Europe, northern European belief structure from Scandinavia, like the shkogra and the uh, huldra. 
and uh, a lot of others, a lot of others, Nisatomta, all of that. They have the ability to flit across the plane, across the the veil between the planes. And the veil is the permeable membrane, coming back to my permeable membrane aspect, uh, that exists between the worlds. It is the soft boundary between the two. There's some bleed over and there is, there is some crossover. Uh, largely the crossover for the spiritual plane, because the spiritual plane is not just the realm of Vaitir, Fey spirits, things like that. The spiritual plane is also the plane of existence for just the general spirit, like where our ancestors go. The spiritual side of things, as far as the when the soul element breaks down, the soul complex breaks down, there's elements that go back into the earth and just feed the earth straight up. The lich itself feeds the earth. Uh, but the spiritual elements of those pass over to the spiritual plane and begin to, you know, dissolve and to be reintegrated into the spiritual ecosystem. Uh, just like the the older, the touch of divine spark of madness, creativity, that, that touch of old and in its all uh, dissipates and I believe goes back to the sacred, is reabsorbed through that aspect uh, because that is indeed the gift of the sacred. But um, it's my belief structure. I know other people vary and differ. It's fine. It's cool. Um, so the spiritual realm exists alongside the material realm. And there is crossover between the two. As we've seen with the Vaitir, um, some beings have the ability to flip back and forth. That's how we get our uh, a lot of things that we see that people write off as wives' tales. Um, a lot of the uh, cryptozoology, I think, is centered around the sightings and visibility of certain Vaitir spirits that have chosen to make themselves visible in the physical spectrum for a while before flooding back across the veil. That's how I think we get a lot of the there it is and then it's gone again. Um, but similarly, there is some crossover as far as the spiritual elements of things go. And there are manifestations of spiritual energies in the material plane that are uh, hard to explain to the layman, and a lot of it goes written down as paranormal or supernatural. And it makes sense that this time of year we talk about some of these paranormal and supernatural elements. Um, now there's others on, on the feed that will have some really cool insights because I know uh, some of the people on the feed do some ghost hunting and have got some really cool uh, working with spiritual ent entities through magical workings or have engaged in, uh, in, in kind of hunting the paranormal in general, or at least have some good, strong theoretics on, uh, on paranormal interactions and whatnot. But paranormal interactions in this respect, why do we see an influx of these during this time of year? Well, part of it is because the general zeitgeist psychology that fuels a lot of our interaction with the spiritual plane uh, is focused on it this time of year. But why is it focused on it this time of year? Well, largely because the veil is thin. Now, we're talking about that permeable membrane between the spiritual realm and the physical realm. Uh, the membrane itself thins during certain times of the year. It ebbs and flows. It's not a solid stone barrier. It's it's more... It's, it's fuzzy. It, it's more like a gelatinous type of barrier. It can be passed through, and if you know how, it can be passed through, um, at least through your the interaction with your spiritual elements, and... Uh, with some guided meditations and some other things, um, some individuals that work heavily in Seder uh, are particularly good at this. Uh, some 
individuals that uh, do a lot of just spirit work in general have have some very good insights in how to cross over the barriers um, but that's not what this channel is about so i'm not going to try and teach you how to cross the barriers on a youtube video that doesn't really translate well so <laughs> but this is a time where that, that veil thins. Now, there are locations across the world uh, where the veil thins naturally. And those are things like fairy rings and uh, ancient, ancient places that you can tell are just brimming with power. Um, over in, I believe it's Oklahoma, uh, Heaven or Runestone Park. Uh, for anybody that hasn't been there, I highly recommend if you're in the States, stop by Heaven or Runestone Park. Uh, it is really cool. Uh, the first time that I stepped in there, uh, the, the just power of the place washed over me. It was incredible. And I could feel the thinness of the veil there. Uh, there was definitely some very strong closeness of spiritual energy. Um, the veils here were very present there. And uh, they, they definitely had a lot of power and a lot of sway in that place. And I found some similar places like that while I was over in Scotland. And then I've stumbled across some really cool ones just in general wandering around the fields and forests of East Texas as I've gone through. Some of the bottoms out there in Tennessee, uh, the, the Trinity River bottoms are uh, <laughs> particularly thin. And then, of course, uh, I find thin spots like that to set up things like my vey, um, which is... Now, been seated and sped up, set up specifically for that purpose. But um, these thin spots are kind of locked to location and they will ebb and flow as well. This is a time of year where things thin, generally speaking. There's a reason for this. This starts the time of year where we begin seeing things like the wild hunt. And I think a large part of the reason why we see the wild hunt this time of year is because the thinning of the veil leads to some crossover of things that require some of Olden's attention. And uh, so he, he rides the sky and uh, gathers and warts in a lot, of, a lot of ways. And it's a really cool thing. I love the wild hunt. Um, I need to do some specific reading on it and do like a specific video for the wild hunt. I think that would be a lot of fun. And I may this year. We'll see. Um, it just depends on how things shape up. We shall see. So the, the veil thins naturally. And I find this manifests itself in a number of ways. One, our ancestors are easier to access during this time of year. And it's not just on winter nights or on Halloween or Samhain or whatever. It is this time of year, the darker time of year, uh, that I feel the veil thins significantly. And I actually feel that it's at its thinnest uh, in the vicinity, in the time between winter nights and Yule. I believe that the way that I've interacted with it and felt it, it's before then, it's fairly strong on either side, but there's this gap between winter nights and Yule where things are just a little easier to cross over. Um, it manifests in a lot of ways, a lot of inward turning, a lot of inward focus, uh, a lot of bringing together a family. And I feel like a lot of that is the influences of the other side on us. And uh, just, it's really, really neat stuff. So. Rocking along with this, we go into the idea of the paranormal then. You have things that cross over, especially around this time of year. It's pretty common. So what are then the things that we see around? Well, like I said before, I think some of the things that we see uh, are, especially in the cryptozoology element of things, Vatier creatures that uh, we catch glimpses of over here, such as things like Bigfoot uh, and Nessie, things like that. It's like, well, how can we have, how can we see these things and have all these stories about people seeing them and experiencing them, and then, you know, you turn a corner and they're gone. Well, they flitted back across the veil, unless it's a hoax, and then some of them are very clearly hoaxes and have been 
uh, unearthed as hoaxes because people are people. People do that. Um, but a lot of this stuff goes way back, way, way back. And the stories are there for a reason in a lot of them, I think. And that's the hard part when it comes to things like, you know, cryptids. Uh, you never know what is hoax and what is hokum and what is genuinely a, a people's experiences. And so that, that makes it very, very difficult. So I, I try to base everything off of my own interactions and what I see uh, and leave the rest as general speculation. Uh, but the, the big thing is you're never going to know the answers. You know, I've, I have done some ghost hunting over the years and I have experienced some fairly, fairly haunted places. And what I feel like a lot of that is, is that spiritual energy gathers around a specific place and then bleeds over into the material plane. And then we still get some remnants of that uh, in, in its manifestations in the material world. Things that we see like uh, wraiths, specters, um, ghosts in general. Um, a lot of times what I think that is, is particular soul elements that still manifest and still try to take on physical shape. Um, perhaps they haven't dissolved well into the spiritual side of things, or perhaps there is a coalescence of spiritual energies, soul elements that may have come together in some amalgamation of what they were before, such as with uh, particular sites where a number of people have died. Uh, there may be some, some remnant energies that come together and form this coalescence of spiritual energies. It's not necessarily a conscious thing. It's not necessarily somebody's ghost. Um, it's more like an echo uh, when all of these spiritual energies kind of gravitate to one another and then take a form that mimics the memory that the soul has of its physical form in the material world. And in places or times where the veil is thinned, uh, those echoes can kind of bleed over into reality. Now, most of the time, these are actually harmless. They're, they're just blips on the radar. You're getting kind of a peek across the veil. Sometimes, not so much, because uh, the, the, the one thing that learning from stories of the Vaitir that we have are that uh, things are not always what they seem when you're dealing with the Vaitir. They are tricksy. They are tricksome, and they do not operate by the same morals and standards that we as humans do. Um, they're not bound by the same societal norms because they're not the same as us. They're other. What is normative for their cultural experience is going to be very, very different from ours because they are other. Um, especially when you're talking about things that we would we would describe as, say, uh, fae-type creatures or, um, you know, some of the, the hidden folk. Uh, you know, stories of these things, like the Skolkra that I mentioned before. Um, there's a couple of different spellings that I've seen, seen of that. Skolkra, Skolkra. Um, they are said to be beautiful women that appear in the northern European forests. Uh, beautiful, most frequently naked women uh, that would stand on the edge of the forest and beckon young travelers in. And then these young travelers would follow them into the woods and they would turn their backs. Well, their backs are the shape of hollowed wood. Uh, so when they turn and face a tree, they disappear into the woods. They appear as a hollow log. So they will lead you into the dark spaces, the nothings, and then just kind of disappear and leave you uh, to be lost. And, you know, a lot of times for some of those where this is just the best that they do, um, it's trickery, it's fun to mess with humans in a lot of ways, but some of some of the darker uh, Vaitir, Fae folk, hidden folk, 
can get pretty nasty. And we've got lots and lots and lots of stories about things that go bump in the night uh, that, that take these forms and these shapes. And so, I mean, it's a wide topic to talk about, but it's just kind of fun and neat, so I thought we'd have a conversation about it. Um, the These things, in general, most of the time what you're going to see uh, when you're going ghost hunting and things like that, you're going to see echoes. You're going to see um, spiritual energies in an area, uh, replaying things that have happened there before, um, mimicking spiritual energies that have been there before. You may experience some spiritual entities, creatures, vates here, um, that are purposefully mimicking these things in order to trick people and pull them in. Um, then, you know, there's the whole question about uh, denizens of some of the other planes uh, that may find their way to Midgar and do nasty, crazy things. You never know. So, yes, I know I've been called a fantasist before because I fully embrace the unseen and the paranormal. I try to talk mostly about cultural stuff and about the God stuff and ritual stuff on here. Um, philosophy, religion, things like that. I don't always get off into some of my more kooky out there beliefs, uh, but that's because I don't necessarily enjoy the flame war that I get after that. Hey, look, mosquito. So <laughs> it's a thing. Um, most of the time you're going to be fine. That's not a thing to worry about. Um, I would say there are some magical things that you can do to help kind of protect yourself. Um, if you are doing a lot of ghost hunting and things like that, I highly recommend doing your research though. If you're going to, and you're going to be delving into uh, crazy unseen things because while most of the time it's absolutely harmless and the most you're going to get is a bump scare or something like that. There are things that go bump in the night out there. I have seen stuff follow people home um, and I do not, yeah, they believed it was a ghost that followed them home and there's some, some ghost that's attached to them. I believed what actually got a hold of them was a particularly uh, tricksome, darker, Vatir entity uh, that was not, not groovy and was uh, quite, having quite some fun at their expense. And uh, it, it, it scared them quite heavily. Um, of course, the one in particular that I'm thinking about, the guy kind of had it coming. Uh, he purposefully went in there to offend and tick some things off. And he got what he was asking for. So I can't fault the spirits too much because he was asking for it very specifically. So that, that's the thing. Um, you also find that spirits sometimes will... Uh, spiritual energy. Okay, when I say spirits... In this sense, I'm not talking about like somebody's soul is specifically tied to this place. I don't have the dichotomy of body and soul element that the uh, more Judeo-Christian philosophies may have, the more westernized view of you have the body and you have the soul. And then when the body dies, the soul may stick around. I, go back and watch my soul elements videos, my soul complex videos, and you will see kind of how I have a view of that. I think elements of the soul can hang around, but I don't think it's the full soul because the only time that we are ever ourselves when all of those soul elements are in place and in the complex together is when we are alive in this here and now. Um, anytime after that, it is elements that used to be part of us, but it is not the fullness of us, which is why I think a lot of the spiritual things that we will see, um, the remnants, the ghosts, if you will, um, they will take on 
uh, ethereal visages of the entities that they once belonged to, those that they used to make up a part of. And when they do so, they tend to mimic out things that they experienced in life, or perhaps things that were of strong psychic energy, strong... Uh, influence on the spirit itself, something that strikes deep to the core of the individual and is therefore carryover into the echo, such as a violent death and things like that, uh, particularly in spots of violent death. Now, we find a lot of mention in the lore um, about spirits, not necessarily in the Eddas, because that's dealing mostly with the sacred and the divine. We find them in the sagas, though, and there are mentions of ghosts and draugr and things that go bump in the night in the sagas. Um, so this was something that our ancestors very much believed in too. Um, Draugr are said to be uh, kind of heathen zombies, as it were. Uh, it's an element, when the animating element of the soul complex remains within the body, um, there is a transformative element that leads it to darker skin um, and immense strength, frequently said to be the strength of ten men, um, or at least three. I've seen it a couple of different ways, but uh, they are seen as dark, undead, and surly. Uh, so there were belief structures centered around uh, specific rituals centered around quieting Draugr and keeping them from wandering the streets because it was said that they would get up, wander the streets, and harrow people. They would uh, cause all kinds of ruckus and they would... Uh, there's some tell of them attacking people uh, things like that so a lot of times they would move the body if the body was buried near town uh, they would move it further out uh, they would chop the head off and then set the head down specifically the the sagas say by the butt uh, <laughs> but basically separate the head set it down by the hip so as to completely separate it from the body and then they would reinter the body away from everything with this you know this ritual having been complete um, there's also tell of burning bodies in order to prevent them from rising again uh, and setting other wards and things like that. One of the interesting things about uh, inhumation burials back in the day was that um, when within mound structure, within mound culture, uh, they would build a little room and it would be a, a wooden room constructed and just four walls, roof, and then they would mound the mound up around it. Well, what they would do is, is, this was common in the ship burials too, uh, they would have a, a cabin built on top of the buried ship, and they would bring the body in there, and then that would be its, its kind of tomb, its mausoleum, inside this mound. And they would come in through the wall. They would not put up the last wall, they would leave an opening in the wall, and they would bring the body in through the wall, and then they would finish the wall. There's still a door, there's an accessible door so that you can come in and out, but they would bring the body in through the wall and then mound up around it. The belief was that if the body got up and began trying to wander afterwards, it would try to come back out the entrance that it came in because that's the last thing that it, it experienced, that it wouldn't know of the normal exit and therefore wouldn't be able to e exit the barrow mound uh, through the doorway. So, uh, fascinating and interesting stuff that shows a very rich and long-built culture of belief in the things that go bump in the night. Um, and this is a kind of cool time of year to talk about these things and to think about it. So, this is not some ghost hunter's uh, primer. This is not meant to be some kind of... Uh, 
you know, a, a starting point for some series on cryptids and cryptozoology and things like that. It's just kind of fun to talk about them a little bit and maybe get the conversation started. Um, there's, there's no real revelations in this particular video. Just kind of having some fun talking about uh, things that go bump and uh, some of the kind of views of how those things can come to be. Um, a lot of the traditions, you know, Liz asked in her question kind of how, how can uh, heathens help ward themselves from some of these things? Well, look to your folk traditions, look to the superstitions of old, and therein you will find a number of things that are useful. Things like the horseshoe over the door. The horseshoe over the door incorporates a number of magical elements. You're dealing with threshold magics, uh, which deal specifically with that permeable membrane between the outer and the inner. Uh, you are utilizing uh, Vatir understanding, Fey understanding with the iron, because um, a horseshoe is, is forced from iron most of the time, uh, steel. And uh, so you've got this iron element there uh, warding the door. It, it, not to mention some of the symbolism elements of the horse itself and transition, etc., etc., etc. So uh, there's these things, the old things about salt around the windows, and a lot of these just folk stories and folk traditions built up from actual practice and were perpetuated in story as a method of relaying this information on. You know, it all came from somewhere and for a reason. So look to those things. Now understand that a lot of things have been blown out of proportion, and I would not take any modern works necessarily as signs of uh, good folk practice, as it were, uh, because a lot of the stuff that we have today with the culture of creativity that we have, uh, especially with pop media and things like that, uh, will take and pervert old ideas and turn them into something that they were not to begin with. And so... You know, take, take modern sources with a grain of salt unless you know it comes from a source that is specifically trying to perpetuate those things. Um, there are some that, you know, do their research and, and utilize some really cool information, or there's some things that are just so pervasive in cultural memory that they exist in, uh, in it well enough to be able to be translated into, uh, into film and media and things like that. But, uh, you know, for instance, some things that can go horribly, horribly wrong and just be bad, bad misinformation. Take a look at the Twilight Saga and uh, sparkly vampires were never a thing in any of the cultural stories that I've ever read. Uh, that's, that's not a thing. That, that's just not a thing. So, um, horrible. I am not a fan of Twilight, if you can't tell. Um, yeah, that's a... Mm, sorry, I'm getting on the wrong tangent here. Now, beyond that, there are runic works that you can do um, as wardings, but these aren't necessarily specific to this time of year. That's just, in general, good practice. Um, if you've got anybody that's good at rune work, that understands the magical elements of runes, setting up runic wardings around your home are wise. It's just good protection in general uh, to protect the inner from the outer. And that's just very much what we're doing here uh, when we're talking about, you know, warding against these things in this time of year. It's just a, a, 
a more presence of a strange outer that we're not used to. And so it makes people uncomfortable because they're not used to it during this time of year. Plus, it's fun to be scared of it. It's fun to embrace it. So a lot of people do. These things are here all the time. It's not like they only come out around this time of year. Um, it's just that this is when we turn our attention to it. But that makes sense. The veil is thin, so we have more access to the other side. We have more access to the dead and the dying. The whole role of psychopomp in and of itself is about guiding the spirit across the permeable membrane to the spirit realm so that it may find rest and dissipate and, and go back to what it is meant to be. And so, you know, having some things run around unguided and then, you know, unbridled is kind of crazy. Uh, so it can be unsettling and that's understandable. But again, it's mostly it's just fun to play with in a lot of ways and embrace. Um, those that have really done some work with the spiritual side can tell you the difference between just the fun stuff that we tend to embrace and play with and then some of the things that are not um, not to be toyed with <laughs> because there are some very real, very dark things out there uh, that people need to avoid. So don't mess with certain aspects because yeah, you don't want to tick off the wrong things. So, yes, I do believe in ghosts. Yes, I do believe in monsters. I do believe things in things that go bump in the night. Um, I do not believe that they are portrayed... That they are as they are portrayed in movies. Um, I think a lot of things there are blown out of proportion. And I think a lot of things are scarier than movies can ever portray. But that's because we have no way of really grasping that in, uh, in good movie. Plus, it doesn't necessarily make good film. You know... Uh, some of the existential things out there in the dark are so mind-numbing that... It, it, okay, it's like trying to put Lovecraft into movies. Nobody's really done it well yet uh, because the sheer existential horror that goes along with uh, the cosmic horror element of Lovecraft is difficult to portray on screen because uh, to even look upon this is to, be, is to drive one to madness. It's kind of that thing. Um, there, there's darkness that is accompaniment to the light that is just very difficult to portray in pop culture and that's necessary it's it's the shadow to the light it, it's it's there it's part of the process and that's just the natural element of the world around us so you know eh, it is what it is it's a thing so i'm gonna end it here i'm just rambling at this point but it was fun i like to talk about these things a little bit because you know it, it's that time of year it's neat to, to venture into it and i think we're gonna have some fun in interactions and conversations in the comments down below at least i i hope we will um, a lot of you have got some really cool experiences with uh with ghost hunting and with just general uh playing with things that go bump in the night i know the original comment that led to this video had a spinoff of some runic protections and everything in there um that that one particular individual was recommending um i will warn you guys uh, you don't know <laughs> the other people on the page and what their experiences are so Take that into account when you are looking at just anybody that tosses up a rune and says this is, you know, protection for this. Keep in mind, they could have just Googled that or they could have really good experiences and really know their stuff. You don't know. So, you know, just use your judgment and have fun. 
Absolutely, have fun. I want to hear people's ghost stories. I want to hear people tell about the crazy things that they have seen and that they have experienced. And uh, I want to hear it without somebody asking me, what do you think this means? Or what do you think this was? And be like, well, it's, you know, spiritual energy that's blah, blah, blah. I just, I want to have fun with it. So you guys jump on there and tell your ghost stories. Get into Word Weaver Productions community on Facebook and share your stories about things that go bump in the night. Share your artwork. I love seeing artwork on there. A couple of people have popped some things up on there that I think are really cool. And I would love to see those things grow and develop. So by all means, jump on there, share it all. Let's have fun, guys. Um, it's about celebrating life uh, in, in the face of the things that scare us. So let's embrace that. Let's have some fun, all right? 2020 has been a rough year. Things are crazy. Let's just play a little while. <laughs> Hail to you all, thank you. May your hearth fires burn bright. And may you have a happy winter nights. Hey.